had written earlier in the week for today. So I take no credit for the quality which I deem to be quite good. Have you ever gotten an unexpected visitor? Maybe you have just settled into your easy chair for the evening. Your plan is to turn off your brain and relax a while. Then the doorbell rings. There go your plans. Who knows what's on the other side of that door? Your plans for the evening just got put on hold. You may remember a big news story back in 1982. Well, that's if you're old enough. <laughs> early in, very early in the morning of July 9th, a young man named Michael Fagan broke into Buckingham Palace and went into the Queen's bedroom. The Queen was still asleep. Imagine her surprise when she woke up and saw a man standing by her bed not a member of her staff. Fagan told her that he wasn't there to hurt her, he just wanted to talk to her. Alex says, it amazes me that the queen kept her cool. She sat up and listened to Fagan as he told her about how hard it was to support his four children after his wife had left him. Fagan's break-in break had set off palace alarms, but... The security staff ignored them because no one had ever broken in before. Eventually, a member of the household staff came and escorted Michael Fagan out of the Queen's bedroom. Soon the police came and arrested him. Alex then says, this story makes me wonder. Do you think it set off any alarms in Jesus' mind when Nicodemus, a leader of the Pharisees, and my parenthetical statement is, and you know, generally the Pharisees were against Jesus, generally, but not all. When a leader, Nicodemus, a leader of the Pharisees, came to see him at night. Bible scholars think that maybe Nicodemus didn't want to be seen talking to Jesus. He had his reputation to protect. It reminds me of a funny quote. You know you're getting older when you realize that caution is the only thing you care to exercise. Nicodemus was a respected elder in his community. Maybe he was just being cautious by calling, visiting Jesus at night. Today is the second Sunday in the season of Lent. Forty days we set aside to reflect on the the events leading up to the death of Jesus. The next four weeks, Alex says, I'll be talking about four people and their conversations with Jesus. Each person came to him with a different need. Each person came to him with a different question. To each of them, Jesus revealed part of his mission as savior of the world. And each person walked away with a second chance at life a chance to live a new life because they had met God face to face. And then Alex adds, I pray that this season leading up to Easter, I pray that in this season leading up to Easter, each of us will get a second chance at new life. Our first encounter is with Nicodemus, a leader among the Pharisees. 
I wonder what Nicodemus, why Nicodemus came to Jesus at night, but I also wonder why Nicodemus came to Jesus at all. What was he expecting? People of African descent in the U.S. have a special appreciation for the story of Nicodemus. During the days of slavery in America, slave people were only allowed to gather for worship at night after they had finished their work. Author Jim Moore wrote, the slaves saw in Nicodemus' night visit proof that it was possible to come to Jesus even when those in power forbade it. Of course, the slaves were making great sacrifice by gathering to, gathering at, to worship at night. Some of them risked their lives to do so. That tells us about their courage to live out their faith no matter what. In our reading today, we see that Nicodemus doesn't even really know who Jesus is. He's just curious. And the only thing he's, he's risking is his reputation. At first, Nicodemus doesn't seem to have a big question or need that, that he's bringing to Jesus. Nicodemus starts out saying, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus answers very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Why did Jesus say that? Because God is staring Nicodemus in the face, even though Nicodemus has heard his teaching and seen his miracles, he doesn't know who Jesus is. Back in the 1920s, the saying, close but no cigar, was popular across the United States. In those days, one of the most popular forms of entertainment in small towns was traveling carnivals. Back then, the games were made to appeal to men because they were the ones with the pocket change to enjoy entertainment outside the home. These days, most of the games at fairs and carnivals are geared to, ch to children. But in the early days of carnivals, men were the target audience. Cigars were the prize for men. So carnival game booths were filled with displays of nice cigars for men to fork over, a f to get men to fork over a few pennies for a game. But most of the carnival's games were rigged to make it almost impossible to win. When the customer almost hit the target, the carnival workers would shout, close, but no cigar. As carnivals traveled this from place to place, this phrase became popular wherever it, they went. It became slang for, you almost got it right, but not quite. Nicodemus knew about God. He had dedicated his life to honoring God by studying and observing God's law. But now he was face to face with God himself, and he didn't recognize him. He was so close but no cigar. So when he asked, how can someone be born when they are old, we can relate to his confusion. Maybe what he's really asking is, can you show me who God is? What am I missing? And that brings us to the first thing we learned from today's story. There's a world of difference between knowing about God and knowing God. 
A man from Syria shared how knowing Jesus changed his life. He was devout and disciplined in the practice of his country's religion. He had been studying their holy books since childhood, but he knew he was missing something in his life. As he said, religion only filled my days, but not my heart. He begged God to show him the truth, but his study of religion left him feeling empty. He said, it felt as if something great was surrounding me, waiting for me to run to it, but what could it be? I think that quote from the Syrian man might describe why Nicodemus came to Jesus that night. He saw something great in Jesus' teaching and in his life, and he wanted to run towards that greatness, but he didn't know what it was. He didn't understand that through Jesus, he could know God and have a relationship with God. So the Syrian man cried out to God. He wanted to know if God was real or if his faith was in vain. One day he heard a radio program about Jesus, and it filled him with joy. He went in secret to a nearby Christian church and spoke with the pastor there. And in that conversion, he discovered a God, or in that conversation, he discovered a God who chose to make himself known, a God whose love for us compelled him to enter a human body and take on our weakness and relate to us face to face. The Syrian man left there filled with a new life. He had been born again. Then he said, that day joy filled my heart and it felt as if the bells of the church chimed in harmony with the beats of my heart. Which brings us to the second thing we learned from this story. Once we've heard Jesus' words, we have to make a decision. Even walking away, like Nicodemus did, is a decision. Francis Collins is the former director of the National Human Genome Research Unit. Under his leadership, researchers at the Institute worked to decode the three billion DNA letters that make up the human genome. He grew up as an atheist, but was quite comfortable in this belief. But before he was director of the Institute, he was a medical doctor and he saw how his patients' faith in God gave them great comfort in the face of suffering and death, and he began to question his belief. He visited a local Methodist minister intending to question him and shoot down the minister's arguments for God. Instead, the minister suggested he read some books by C.S. Lewis and come back to discuss them. In those books, Francis Collins found logical, reasonable evidence for the existence of God. As he said in an interview with Public Broadcasting Systems, I didn't want this conclusion. I was very happy with the idea that God didn't exist and had no interest in me. And yet at the same time, I could not turn away. You can argue you yourself on the basis of pure intellect right up to the precipice of belief, but then you have to decide. I don't believe intellectual argument alone will push someone across that gap. It is supernatural truth, 
And in that regard, the spirit enters into this, not just the mind. And that brings us to the final lesson we can learn from today's Bible story. We can't have the life God offers us until we die to our current life. That's one of the hardest things for any follower of Jesus to face. Nicodemus, like many of us, wasn't ready to hear this. He walked away that day not believing, or at least in my opinion, not understanding Jesus' words. He missed the greatest opportunity in the world to know God and to live a new life empowered by the Spirit of God. In verse 5, Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Water refers to baptism, which symbolizes dying to our old lives and being raised again to new life, and not just a second chance at the same life. To be born again means to live our new life with God's Spirit, aligning our mind and heart with the mind and heart of God. It's a life that has been changed. Many years ago, a 10-year-old boy named Christopher Carrier was kidnapped and almost murdered by a stranger. The man took Christopher out to a remote area of the Florida Everglades, stabbed him, shot the boy in the head, and left him for dead near an alligator-infested swamp. Amazingly, Christopher survived. But the fear of his attacker haunted him, even though he was under police protection. Three years after the attack, Christopher attended a church youth group event. At this event, he learned about the new life he could find trusting Jesus as Lord of his life. He did so and started a process of emotional healing in his life. In 1996, a man named David McAllister confessed to the kidnapping and attempted murder of Christopher Carrier. McAllister had been an employee of Chris's father. When Mr. Carrier caught McAllister drinking on the job, he fired him. The vicious attack on little Christopher was revenge for the firing. McAllister was now a frail old man in a local nursing home. Chris began visiting David McAllister in the nursing home. At first, McAllister denied his crime. He, he couldn't admit to his victim what he had done. But Christopher, who now had a wonderful life, told McAllister, what you meant for evil, God has turned into a wonderful blessing. And McAllister finally apologized to Chris for what he had done. Christopher's family began visiting David McAllister regularly in the nursing home. One day, Chris asked McAllister, do you want to put your faith in the Lord? McAllister said, yes. They prayed together, and McAllister asked Jesus to be the Lord of his life. He died in his, to his old life and was born again, aligned with the Spirit of God. A few days later, David McAllister died peacefully in his sleep. As Christopher Carrier said, I saw the Lord give that man back his life and so much more. I can't wait to see him again someday in heaven. 
So many of us go through life knowing about God, but not knowing God. I got to say that again because I muffed it. So many of us go through life knowing about God, but not knowing God. We spend our lives trying to be good enough to earn God's love. We study the Bible or do good works in our community. And those are all our good and God-honoring things. But we never work our way to knowing God, or er, etern- but we will never work our way to knowing God or earning eternal life. That's a good thing. God already did the work for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. We only have to make the decision. Do we believe this? If so, we can ask God to help us be good, faithful disciples, loving God and loving people until God calls us home. And that is my hope and prayer for all of us this Lenten season. God offers a new and eternal life Let's accept and enjoy it. Amen. Now, wait. <laughs> I just want to add an, ad- an addendum. <laughs> well, that's amen to, to, to Alex. I have a very short addendum to add. Even though at the first meeting with Jesus, when you met Jesus, uh, Nicodemus walked away seemingly unconvinced. Nicodemus appears two more times in the Gospel of John. Once when he's with the, the, the Jewish council and they're wanting to do something to stop Jesus, and he advises against it. And then at the end of the Gospel of John, after Jesus' crucifixion, it is written that Nicodemus provided the oils and spices to anoint Jesus' body. We don't know what happened with him after that. But I hold out hope for Nicodemus.